Hello, Alive Church. What a great honour and privilege it is to be speaking to you this morning, all the way in Enniscorthy. I've been friends with uh, Pastor Enda and Angela for many years now, and I'm, I'm really impressed by the work, the effort and the ministry they, they put into the church here in Enniscorthy. You know, to be a pastor for over 21 years, because I know that you established that church there in 2000, that's over 21 years. It takes a lot of hard work, perseverance, grace, the mercy and goodness of God. I want to tell you that. So well done to Enda and to Angela and your entire family. You have done a great work and may the Lord bless you as you continue to work there in Enniscorthy. For those who don't know me, my name is PJ Booth and I'm originally from Pierce Road in Enniscorthy. Uh, I went to the Christian Brothers, the Tech. I served my time in a place called Enniscorthy Engineering. Uh, box for Father Scanlon, uh, trained with Mick Dunn, right, and Mick Quigley, or Bernard Dunn and Mick Quigley, and uh, had so many great years in Enniscorthy. But when I was 19, I moved to Newbridge in County Kildare. And about 30 years ago, it is 30 years ago now coming September for me, I came into a relationship with Jesus. I had an encounter with God, who transformed my my own life, my own heart, my own mind and purpose for life, but also my own marriage. And uh, I've spent that past 30 years telling people about Jesus, about the goodness of God, about his great love for us, about his grace, his mercy that is unending. And, and it, I have a great privilege of being part of a church here called Open Arms in Newbridge, and uh, to serve under its now the new senior leader, who is my son, Sean Booth. So what a privilege and an honour it is really to be part of the kingdom of God and see it advancing both Enniscorthy, Newbridge, right across the country. What I want to talk to you about today is, I suppose, the atmosphere, what's happening. I don't know about you, but this is our, our third lockdown. It's the longest and it's going to continue for quite a while yet. And I don't know about you, but I'm... I'm sick to the tonsils of it. I'm fed up. I want to get back to having corporate worship. I, I, I want to have people and friends around me where we can worship together, where we can hug each other, sit down and have a, a chat and a natter and a cup of coffee together. Go out for a meal, you know, be able to, to talk to somebody and be in close proximity. But one thing I'm very aware is that we're, the world at the moment seems chaotic. I mean, no matter where you look, if you look to America or, or England or right across this globe, it's, there seems to be chaos. And so how can people have stability? How can they have hope for the future? And so what I do want to talk to you about is that this is not the end. It doesn't end here. There is hope for our future. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a hope that is beyond this life and beyond this world. And that hope is not dependent on your health. It's not dependent on your wealth. It's not dependent on your job or lack of it. It's not dependent on the global pandemic. It's dependent on a place called heaven. So let me read from Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. So God has set this eternity People who don't even know God and don't want to know God, they still have this yearning to know what happens after this life. Is there life after this life? 
but especially those who've encountered Christ. We know that there is more to this life than what we can see or sense. There is more beyond what we can know as life on earth or within our universe. There is a place called heaven. And, you know, when I encountered Christ, immediately I had this assurance that somewhere or another, that the moment I close my eyes, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. That's the guarantee by Scripture. You know, one day you, you might read in an obituary somewhere, maybe in the Echo, right? Or, or, or the Nationalist paper up at this end, or the Leinster Leader, somewhere around the country that, that P.J. Booth has died. Well, that's not true. P.J. Booth will have closed his eyes and he'll be gone into the presence of Jesus Christ forever. That's my hope and that is our hope. And of course, you know, over the years, this past 30 years, a lot of people have asked me questions about heaven. And the one that the questions will, will my cat or dog be there? Well, I think your dog will be, but as for cats, mm-mm, they're out. <laughs> now, we know that the, the lion will lie down with the lamb. And I know that my three grandsons have a little cat called Coco, so maybe Coco will scrape in this time. Another question will be, will people be married in heaven? And the answer, according to uh, Luke's gospel, Jesus said this, Luke 20, 34. Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection of the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So somehow, Jesus, God, will meet all of our needs. All of our needs for closeness, for intimacy, for partnership. And that we will love him and love each other in this perfect manner that we don't need marriage. Another question, of course, would be, will there be golf courses in heaven? A pastor found himself wondering whether there would be any golf courses. He even began to ask the question in his prayers. And one day, in the answer to his prayer, he received a direct answer from on high. Yes, said the heavenly messenger, there are many excellent golf courses in heaven. The greens are always in first-class condition. The weather is always perfect, and you always get to play with the very nicest people. Well, thank you, said the pastor. That is such good news. Yes, isn't it, replied the messenger. And we've got you down for a foursome next Saturday. <laughs> Recently, a teacher, a bin man, and a lawyer wound up together at the pearly gates. St. Peter informed them that in order to get into heaven, they would each have to answer one question. St. Peter addressed the teacher and asked, what was the name of the ship that crashed into the iceberg? Now, they just made a movie about it, and the teacher answered quickly, that would be the Titanic. Peter said, you may enter. St. Peter then turned to the bin man, and figuring that heaven didn't really need all that order that this guy would bring with him, decided to make it a little bit more difficult. How many people died on the ship? Well, again, the bin man had just looked at the movie and he said, about 1,500 people. St. Peter said, now you may enter. Then he turned to the lawyer and he said, name them. <laughs> it's always good to start with a laugh. Can I just tell you that? So the Bible tells us a lot about heaven. And right, and there's a scripture that I often use in funerals. I often use actually at the graveside because it's the scripture that gives us hope. Let me read from 1 Thessalonians 4.13. So Father, as we read your word, Father, I pray that you would, Lord, allow it to be a revelation to our hearts, to our mind, within the depths of our soul. 
Lord, that we would know that your word is true. It is so true. We would take it as truth and it would build hope in Jesus' name. So 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who had died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with him forever. And verse 18 says, So encourage each other with these words. So that's what we're going to do. For the next couple of moments, we're going to encourage each other about heaven. So firstly, heaven is a real place. It's not just a, a state of my mind. It's not a, a state of someone's or a figment of someone's imagination. Heaven is real. Revelation 21, the very final book of the Bible says this. The city was laid out like, like a square, as long as it is wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. So 12,000 stadia is about 1,400 miles cubed. So that means 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles deep, and that is 2.74 million cubic miles. Wow. Randy Alcorn says in the book about heaven, Given the dimensions of a 1,400-mile cube, if the city consisted of different levels, now we don't know this, and if each story were a generous 12-foot high, the city would have over 600,000 stories. If it were on different levels, billions of people would occupy the New Jerusalem with many square miles per person. If these numbers are figurative and not literal, and that's probably more true than not. Surely they are still meant to convey that the home of God's people will be extremely large and roomy. So folks, there's plenty of room. There's room for you. There's room for each of us who are gathered here today, for your family, your friends, your acquaintances. Heaven is not narrow. Some people think heaven is that narrow place. No, heaven is not narrow. Heaven is, is broad. Heaven is vast. Heaven is all-encompassing. And there's enough for billions upon billions upon billions of people. Um, I used to say to my son when he was growing up, I said, Sean, I don't care what you, you, your education is. I, I, I don't care what career or job that you're going to work at. But one thing I want you to do, make sure that you are there. I say to you today, make sure you're there. There's a place for you, there's room for you, but you must make that choice to be there. Secondly, heaven is a right place. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
So everything is made right in heaven. There's no more death, no more crying, no more rejection, no more separation, no more physical, emotional, or indeed spiritual pain. Right? It is gone. No more COVID-19. No more death. It is gone. It is new. We will be a brand new creation with a new body. The old is where we now live. Heaven is the new order. No more bad coffee. A good friend of mine says, life is, is too short for bad coffee. So no more of that. Thirdly, heaven is a relational place. Revelation 22, 2. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This word nations literally means ethnic groups. So in heaven and on the new earth will be people from every tribe and every ethnicity and every nationality on the face of the earth. So if you don't like beautiful ethnicities, heaven ain't for you. Hey, get this right, guys. If you do not like all the beautiful colors and ethnicities, heaven is not for you, right? South Africa is known as the Rainbow Nation. Heaven itself will have all the beautiful colors of man within its boundaries and we will live in perfect unity and perfect peace. And also it says, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And Lord, we do need more healing. We need healing for this nation of Ireland and our history. All that has happened and is happening in the nations of the world, we need that now. Do you know, we need to see beyond our narrow, mean, self-centered world and culture. We need to realize that the world does not revolve around us, that we are part of a community, part of a society, and as Christians, we are part of the kingdom of God. We are not narrow, but we are broad. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will have a personal relationship with God himself, and we will be his people, and he will be our God. This speaks of intimacy. And fourthly, Heaven will be a rewarding place. My reward will be with those famous words and what I want to hear when I get to heaven is well done, good and faithful servant. And it really is, as if you know Christ, if you've been walking with the Lord for some period of time, is not what we all want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've asked, you've answered and you've completed the task that I have given you. Amen. Revelation 22, 1, 2 says, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. This word literally means payment. There's a payment. The reward is for our faithfulness. The reward is for loving God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and for loving our neighbor as ourselves. And that is the basis really, of, of, of good works. That's the basic of the outworking of the gospel. It's not complicated. Love him. Love others as we love ourselves. Matthew sixteen twenty seven says, For the Son of Man is going to come and his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. You know, it took me 33 years uh, of my life to encounter Jesus Christ. 
and then the rest of my life to respond and act out of service. Really, that's what it is. Everything, the first moment I came to know Christ, I received everything. I'm still discovering what everything means. It's great. We are not to live short term, but we're to live with eternity at the forefront of our minds. With eternity at the forefront of our decisions. You know, people are worried. They're concerned that, you know, is, is this going to end? Will the pandemic end? Will church ever get back? Yes, it will. This will end. We, we, look, I, I'm 62. I, I've, I, I bought a house, what, 40 years ago, over 40 years ago now. I was paying 18% interest rate. And, and then there was, uh, there was a collapse of the economy. Then we had, what was the, we had the, 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 the oil crisis. And then in 2008, we had another collapse. But we keep getting back up. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail. So I want to tell you, we're going to be back stronger and better than ever before. So we held on to that, that Jesus knows what he's doing. So I ask another question. How do we live for eternity? Titus 2.11 says this. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. What a scripture. You could just study that one on its own. So sin is what? Is missing God's mark. Now sometimes, you know, not just what we consider sin, but all of that hidden sin, our awareness of serving God and not serving God, our awareness of being obedient but not being obedient, that is also the sin, right? And sometimes we have to live out and be realize, Lord, I'm doing this with the wrong motivation. Correct my motivation. Bring me back into line with your will. Let me love you with, with all of my heart for your sake, for the, for the sake of the kingdom of God and its advancement in my area and in my nation. We have to do that. So three points to live for eternity. Number one, refocus my energies. Matthew 6, 19 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's this saying? Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't be distracted. You know, I believe the Lord has made it possible for us to live comfortable lives, right? I, I like a roof over my head. I, I like food in the fridge. I like to drive a pretty decent car that won't keep breaking down. So, so I like those things, right? Enough to eat, education, quality, a, a future for my son, and even planning for, for grandkids. But this ain't heaven. This is not, we're not going to be here forever. We're not going to be here for eternity. So let's not become distracted by worldly things. Let's not forget and take our eyes off heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Every time we look to others out of the love for Jesus Christ, 
we're, we're building heavenly treasures. We really are. When the motivation is to love others, when the motivation is to serve others, when the motivation is to be other centers, we're living out and we are putting money in the bank of heaven. It is that simple. So folks, let's not become distracted by work, education, or career, or things, cars, houses, handbags, footballs, or, or whatever your thing is, to such an extent that we take our eyes off the prize of heaven. Because the prize of heaven is Jesus. He is our prize, and we want to receive that prize in glory. So three points to live for eternity. Number one, as I said, refocus my energies. Number two, reach people. Our motivation must be people in heaven. Jude 1.22 says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. People matter. People matter. Everything else will be burnt up. The only thing you can bring to heaven is people. The only legacy is people. The great reward is with people. It is all about people. We must reach the lost no matter what the cost. And that's not a cliche. That's something we must live out on our daily lives. Our own sense of shyness or sometimes fear and pride, our own sense of lack or perhaps even fear of rejection, we must overcome that to reach people for the sake of the gospel. We really must. We must do whatever it takes to get them there. We really have to do that. And, and I know during COVID, I, I want to tell you, it's so easy to close down the door, to batten down the hatches. It is the easiest thing in the world. But we must never forget that Jesus Christ came to earth and gave his life for you, for me, for your loved ones, your family, your neighbors, your acquaintances. It's always about people. The very last uh, book in the Bible, again, Revelation, gives a great invitation. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is Christ's body, right, the church, say come. It's a great invitation. And right here, right now, God is making that invitation to you and your loved ones. Right? So we have an opportunity. You know, people say, isn't it terrible the churches that are open? We can concentrate on that or we can say, isn't it possible that I can invite my neighbor, my friends, my colleagues, my workmates, everybody that I'm in contact to come to church this Sunday? Open up your phone, your tablet, your TV and, and switch on alivechurch.ie. Look at the message every single week. Give the people an invitation. They can have their own cup of coffee in their own kitchen or sitting in their bedroom and they can listen and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never before had we had such an opportunity of giving such a simple invitation. They don't have to get dolled up and dressed up. They don't have to walk nervously into church and wonder what's going on. They can sit in their own homes, guys. I know some people who in internet is bad and they sit out in the car where they can get a connection and watch church. So please, give people the invitation. Again, try it for next Sunday. Ask people, 
Send them a, send them a notice. Tap in to what, whatever you need to electronically. Send them an invitation. Say, hey, why don't you look at it in church this Sunday and get a response and see what's going on. Number three, we need to renew our relationship with God. 2 Peter 3.13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Now this is impossible for us, but with God, all things are possible because he has made a way through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The people in a live church are no better than those outside, but we just happen to come to know a Savior whose name is Jesus. So we're not better than everybody else, but boy, we've been given a responsibility to let other people know that Jesus is real, that he is the Savior of the world, and he's got a plan and a purpose for you and your family. We are privileged people. So allow me to finish by asking the most obvious question of all today. How do I get into heaven and who's going to be there? It's a really good thing to look at. My Bible tells me that Jesus Christ created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And he says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. When we come to the age of reason, we must make a choice to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross or simply pay the penalty yourself. So Jesus has paid the sacrifice. He has paid the penalty. We can receive that payment or we can go and pay it ourselves and will cost us our lives for eternity. But you know what this means? It just means that after, for me, studying the Bible for over 30 years, that those people who have not had an opportunity, who perhaps are born or died as babies, perhaps never came to that age of reason because of whatever has happened to them at birth or by their design, that they never had an opportunity of coming and, and responding to Christ. And I'm thinking of all those babies in mothers' homes right across the country. You know, I grew up in Enniscorthy, so we know something of the mothers' homes where a lot of people I know were sent to homes in Kilkenny and around the country and who never quite came back the same. I know girls who, who were pregnant and they kind of disappeared for a period of time and they came back without their babies, all because of these mothers' homes. You know, this goes all the way back to the 40s, the 50s, the 60s and 70s and right through the ages. And we know right now that at least 9,000 babies died through neglect at the hands of the religious and indeed our state of Ireland. And I believe with all of my heart that these babies, these innocent babes who never got an opportunity to grow and to develop and come to the age of reason, are with Jesus right now. I firmly believe that. I believe that in my Bible. I believe it theologically. I believe it firmly that those who never had an opportunity went straight to be with Jesus. And I'm sorry for those who have been judged by the church. I'm sorry for those who have been rejected and abused and neglected. And especially for those who claim to know Jesus Christ. But you know something? They did not know him from Adam. 
They did not know. They were a people of religious, but not of relational. It's also good to remember that those who perpetrated these crimes were from both Catholic and Protestant traditions alike. It was not just one-sided. Do you know something I've learned over 30 years is that the only measure of true spirituality is the depth of our love. So surely the ones who abused you, your children, your loved ones, were the least spiritual of all humanity who have ever lived. The true opposite of love is fear. And that fear is perpetrated by evil itself. As our own Edmund Burke once said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So it may have taken 50 years plus to bring this to light. But thank be to God for those individuals who fought, who would not remain silent, and who brought this before the public to bring justice to so, so many people. So I would say to you today, take courage, take hope, that one day you will meet that little boy and that little girl that is no longer with you. There is hope. There is real, real hope. And our desire, and your pastor end and Angela's desire, is to create a church that is loving and gracious and accepting to heal these wounds. So have hope. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. You know, sometimes we can come along and we can have a great talk, a great preach, and you say, yeah, that was nice. But we must have a response. There must be a response to the Word of God, to respond to Jesus whose arms are open to you right now. His arms are open. His arms have always been open. He is open to you. And whether you're in your sitting room, in your bedroom, sitting in your car, watching this, Jesus, he's reaching out to you right now. So Revelation 22, 17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Come. Come to that place called heaven. No more fear. No more rejection. No more crying. No more death. In that place of perfect love. Come. Come, there's room. It's a massive, ginormous place. Come. Come today. And Revelation 3.20 gives us a I, I love it. It's a kind of a, a word picture. This is the words that Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and if you invite me in, I will come in and be with you and you with me. So today, if you have any sense, maybe it's something of the worship, something that was said earlier, something that I've said today, if you have any sense that, that God is drawing you, All you have to do is respond. He's not going to kick the door down. He's not going to force himself into your life. But his arms are extended. He's knocking at the door. And if you open that door, he will come in. And you will receive eternal life. You will receive forgiveness. You will tap into the plans and purposes that he has for you and your family. It says in the Bible, for a thousand years, generations for your children your children's children your great great grandchildren and for generations to come so you may not be able to change the history of the world 
boy, you can change your own history. You can change the history of your family. You can draw a line in the sand right here, right now, and say, today, I choose to follow Jesus. So if that's you, all I want to do is just very simply say a prayer, something like I said 30 years ago, that transform my life, transform my marriage, transform my, my family, and really has helped to transform part of our entire community here in Newbridge, County Kildare. So if you want to just close your eyes and by your heart, something went in your heart that says, Jesus, I hear you knocking at my heart. I hear you and sense that you're drawing me to you. Lord, I give you my life. I place my trust in you right here, right now. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to give me that permanent home called heaven. And I accept that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have said that prayer for the very first time, you know, if you're online now, alivechurch.ie forward slash connect, there's a little form that you can just fill in and take the next step. So 30 years ago, I took the very first step. It was an important step. But since 30 years, I've been taking a lot of steps. And what Pastor Enda and a live church want to do, they want to help you take that next step. So look in line, look on screen, and they'll help you take all of the next step. So let me finish by reminding you of John 14. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will be where I am. So right now, Jesus is preparing that place for you. And one day, death will not come for PJ. Death will not come for you. Jesus will come. And he'll take us to that place that he has prepared. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Remember, it doesn't end here. God bless.